Welcome to today's episode of Lifestyle Matters. And once again, I'm joined by Fergal Armstrong um, for today's episode. Welcome, Fergal. Hiya, Sabina. How are you? Okay. So I thought today we might talk a little bit about social relationships and loneliness and isolation. Um, it's a very apt time to talk about it, but I think it's something that's been brewing in our for a very long time, it's just getting more recognition in recent times, um, given the whole world is going through a pandemic. But that's not to say that this has not been a problem for many, many years going unrecognized. Some even say that loneliness is equals, you know, it's, it's as, as important as looking at smoking or obesity, a risk factor for heart disease. So, Fergal, let's start off by talking about what social relationships are and how would we define social relationships? Yeah, um, just to pick up on that point that you said about loneliness being as unimportant a risk factor for heart health as smoking, you know, it just highlights the phrase, you know, how many times have we heard in literature and culture someone dying of a broken heart? It is possible to die of a broken heart. You know, it is possible to, to, to be so sad that it contributes mm-hmm. to your mortality. What, what, yeah, what, what, what are social relationships? Well, there, I suppose it's easy to define what they're not. They're not Facebook friends. Relationships in social media, and in fact, the use of social media is actually proven to be harmful. And the relationships that we form within social media are not validating healthy relationships that we need as human beings to actually thrive in society. We need real live relationships. And I suppose that goes to, you know, the experiences of, of when we were when we were cavemen, you know, because our lives, our very survival depended on us being part of a social group, a group that was bigger than the sum of its parts, and a group that was able to actually defend itself. And when we talk about being ostracized, we talk about being ejected from a, a social group. Back in those times, that really was nigh onto a death sentence because our, our chances of surviving on our own outside the social group in the jungle, for instance, those chances of survival were minimal. So, so being ostracized was a source of, 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 of existential pain that continues to this day. So again, we suffer from loneliness when we are, we are ostracized, when we are, we are removed from our social group. And that pain is as bad as physical pain. And, certain, and for certain people, it's worse than physical pain. Yeah. And I guess I just wanted to just pick up on that a little bit. Like you made very important points there. The first thing, the social media use, which we'll, we'll dive into in a bit. Um, but the other thing about isolation and loneliness, and I thought it might be a good time for me just to sort of, you know, explain about what the differences yeah. are between social isolation and loneliness. Um, yeah. You know, we are all now very familiar with the term of isolation and social, you know, isolating yourselves when you're unwell and things like that. But, you know, isolation is basically when you are actually reduced, you've got a reduced social network. Um, you are actually away from everyone else um, physically. Um, but when you're isolated, you there is a chance that you may not necessarily feel lonely. And that comes down to your personality types also. Um, but 
loneliness itself is actually a, a subjective feeling of feeling lonely. So you could be very well surrounded by hundreds of people in a crowd of, you know, all your friends, but you could still feel lonely. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to hone into that feeling of loneliness yeah. is what they find has been associated with a lot of diseases. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you use the word personality types. I mean, there are certain personality types that actually avoid, sorry, I don't want to use the, the word avoid for reasons which will become very quickly apparent. There are certain personality types that just don't want to be social. An example of that personality type would be the schizoid personality type where they, they do not seek relationships and they are perfectly content on their own. And, and they are the kind of people who, who really do thrive on their own and don't feel the need for, for, for relationships. Yeah. There is another group of, there is another personality type, which is called the avoidant personality type, where they, they fear rejection. And so that's why they don't actually seek social connection, but the fear of rejection keeps them away from people. And they're also lonely, but or rather they are, they are isolated, but they're very lonely because they crave the one thing that they, they, they cannot have for fear of that rejection. So personality types do play a part in, in one's response to isolation, which, as you say, can either engender feelings of loneliness or not, as the case may be. Yeah. And, you know, just on that personality types, there is actually a um, uh, quite a famous personality test that people do in workplaces and things called the Jung's personality test. Yeah. Not sure if you're familiar with that, but, you know, I think it's a great test to do. Um, I do it from time to time. It's interesting. I did it about about five years ago when I, well, actually 10 years ago now when I started internship. Um, so and then I do it now. Type then, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, should I be saying that out loud? But, uh, well, you know what? It actually fits what I am, um, you know. <laughs> well, definitely not an introverted, but, uh, you know, let's not go into that. Yeah. But I think but, it's a good test again, to do. It I, gives you an insight about how you yeah. are and how you function and yeah. what traits you have that make you work well as a team player or are you better off doing work by yourself? And uh, I think it's a good yeah. test to do. Yeah. You're going to say sorry. I think it's also important to, to understand exactly what the definition of introversion and extroversion are because – um, I'm personally an introvert. And some people say, well, how can you possibly be an introvert? And I said, well, it's because I don't feel energized when I am around a lot of people. Whereas extroverts feel energized when they are the center of attention and they're around a lot of people. I, I don't actually feel energized. So it's not about whether or not you can cope with being in a, in a group or whether or not you can cope with with having attention put upon yourself. It's not about coping with it. It's about whether or not you feel energized in response to that stimulus. And, and so it's interesting it's, you uh, mentioned that. Sorry, just, just quickly because of that. Um, you know, it just comes down to exercise. And I think you, just putting it into perspective, you enjoy exercising by yourself, I think. Yes, um, I do. And I do. you, yeah, and I enjoy exercising in a group um, setting. Like I go for you know, classes, because I find I'm yeah. more energized when I'm actually exercising with others. So it's interesting yes. that you put that and you can extrapolate that into exercise. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I suppose the bottom line message is that like everyone's different. There's no right mm -hmm. or wrong. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference between being isolated and feeling lonely. Yeah. And I think it so, just comes Savina. down to the fact that we are all, you know, as you pointed out at the start, that we're all um, humans. We all crave social connections to some level. 
the question is yeah. at what level and how much we actually, um, when our demands for these social connections are not met, that's when mm. we actually end up feeling lonely. Exactly, that imbalance. Yes. Yeah. But basically, I suppose another way of thinking about it then is what you're saying is that loneliness is really an unmet need for social connection. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that comes down to when we talk, you mentioned social media use. Um, yeah. And, you know, they've found, especially in the recent times, there's been a lot of social media use. There's been a huge spike in it. But at the mm. same time, there's a huge spike in mental health. And one, you know, starts wondering, why is the case? You know, are you not getting your social needs met through social media? Um, yeah. Take us through that, Fergal. Why is well, social I, media use? Um, I think there's, there's, there's empirical evidence that it actually creates anxiety and depression. Um, mm. And I think it, it, it also creates this sense of keeping up with the neighbors, keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses. I mean, I've got patients who talk about the fact that they feel inadequate because they don't have the same kind of Facebook lives that their friends do. And I have to say to them, well, those very same friends of whose Facebook life that you are jealous, they're also coming to see me because they're equally as miserable. You know, so there, there is this, this competitiveness uh, on the one hand. And on the other hand, there is an absolute v- vacuous um, uh, uh, value. There, sorry, there's no value in these relationships. Having 3,000 Facebook friends is not in any way meaningful to you as an individual. If you actually look at you know small tribal villages, you have basically an inner circle of friends and an intermediate circle of friends. And really, your inner circle of friends is maybe three, four, five people, and that's it. And those are the people that you share secrets with, secrets with and those are the people that you, you bear your soul to. And then they're the kind of the people that you, you function with throughout your daily life. And that's about the size of, of a small village, 20 people. So these are the real people that you need to be working with and you need to be valuing. Um, and so, you know, it takes a village to raise a, to raise a child. It takes a village to be, to be happy, I think. And, you know, we're talking about 20 real life people and maybe, maybe two, three, four, five very, very close friends. Now, how do you define close friends in, in the, in the uh, modern world? Well, I say someone you can tell a secret to and someone you can borrow money from. I don't know. How, how do you define close friends? <laughs> Um, God, how do I define close friends? Um, I don't know, Fergal. Someone I would be. Oh, by the way, Savina, can I can I borrow fifty bucks? I think you're a close friend of mine. (laughs) Let's not go around doing that, huh? What if I don't have the financial? So I'm not a close friend then. (laughs) Well, what if I don't have the financial means to do that for you? Then how? Then you'd be able to tell me. That is true. Then I'll be open enough to tell you about it. So yeah, that is true. Yeah. Actually, that is a very good way of defining what a close friend is because I would be comfortable yeah. to tell you that you know my situation, my plight, that I may not be able to lend you yeah. some money. Uh, but it's yeah. someone. I mean, social close friends are people I trust and the ones that I keep regular contact with. Um, and that's basically yeah. what social, I mean, close friends are to me. Yeah, um, you know, and the there was a um, sometimes you actually find that people who. This is what we've actually found, that sometimes people who actually post everything on social media, there is something else that they're sort of trying to hide, um, trying to hide behind, like putting up a facade, um, trying to yes. hide their loneliness. They found there is people who've actually have used, um, used social media quite heavily, have a 20% increased risk of feeling lonely compared to people who use it very in a light use. Yeah. So, you know, that's so that's telling. the empirical evidence I was talking about. You know, the more you use social media, the more depressed you are. Now, there, there's not a causal relationship yet, but it is definitely an association. 
which I think is yeah. good enough for me. Yeah. yeah. So what other risk factors are there um, in terms of um, for developing loneliness? I mean, social media is clearly one of them. Um, would you take us yeah. through the other risk factors? For well, you know, you have to think about, uh, you know, the, the personality types, as we've already found. We have to think mm -hmm. about social skills. You know, we have to think about developmental criteria. We have to think about, you know, adverse childhood experiences and, and that, that leads to low self-esteem and feelings of inadequacy and, the idea that you know you're not good enough, you don't feel valued, you, you you're not you're not you're not valued enough to be sociable with someone else, and the fear of rejection, which then goes back into personality types. Uh, we also have to think about occupation. We have to think about you know in, uh, external circumstances that, that limit our social our, our social uh, realm and our and our, our social network. And again, you know, you know the more more pressing issue about you know enforced social isolation with with, uh, you know, the current epidemic of COVID. Before we dive into any of these risk factors, do you have any other risk factors? Well, I guess the other things I would talk about is also people from different ethnicities, cultural groups, um, you know, poor yeah. communication skills, language, a yes. barrier. Um, yeah. So migrants, yeah. um, people yes. who, I mean, as I alluded to just now, if I didn't have 50 bucks to lend you, financial strains that might be preventing me from, you know, socializing because the people that I hang out with have far more, money to yeah. do things and i yeah. don't have enough of those things the other thing other group i would talk about would be you know groups that have us uh, so, um i guess at a bit of a disadvantage because of discrimination so you know the lgbtqi community sometimes but that's getting a lot better these yeah. days um yeah. people who have um a a physical um um disorder like you know someone who's wheelchair bound or um, yeah. you know any sort of disability they can also feel a bit yeah. isolated. Um, and so these are all isolated. groups that, 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 that are in some way disenfranchised. Hmm. People who are traumatized, people who are immigrants, people who are you know, LGBTIQ, people who are disabled, they're all in some way, or they all have been in the past in some way disenfranchised. So yeah. I've often wondered, you know, what is it about connectivity, connectivity, personal connectivity between two people. And I, I've wondered, what, what are the mechanics of dealing with the, with the risks of, of the, or the fear of rejection? And I think a big issue is perceived inequality. I think if there's a, if there's a perception of an imbalance in power or in inequality, I think that leads to difficulties in making relationships. Whereas if there is the perception of sameness or equality, well, then that fits, that facilitates relationships. And, if, and I suppose one of the famous sayings that we all have heard, one of the proverbs that we know is that birds of a feather stick together. And, you know, that's true. We do tend to make more connections or more easy connections with people that we identify as similar to ourselves rather than different. So being different in whatever way, shape or form that might be, can be an impediment and or a risk factor to establishing social relationships. And can be I can vouch for that actually, lonely. Virgo. Um, yeah. You know, just, you know, it, this is obviously a very, very, um, you know, just drawing a very distant relationship to what you've just said. But, you know, doctors tend to be said, you know, they always tend to sort of stick together and sort of, you know, socialize with them. At least that's what I've been blamed for. And when I try, when I try mixing around with my husband's um, friends who are not doctors, I do sometimes feel a little bit lonely because, 
you know, we all feel lonely, loneliness from time to time, and that's normal. So when I could be surrounded by different people, but everyone there has got a different sort of way of thinking and different interests, and I could feel mm. a bit different because, and I feel that imbalance in our social relationships just because of that difference. So it's interesting that you say yeah. that power imbalance, just differences mm. can make you feel lonely. Yeah, I, I also reflect on, on you know, the, the medical world and the, the, the socialization within the medical world. I think doctors and nurses and, and allied health professionals are so focused on healthcare to the mm. exclusion of everything else. There, and that, that's number one. And number two is there is automatically a group of people with whom you automatically bond. So for those two reasons, I think anyone working in healthcare does find it more difficult than everyone else to, to make connections. Because nobody else, there's no, I don't think there's any other profession where there is automatically such common ground, you know? Yeah. So it's so yeah. easy. So everyone else really has got to do that, has got to make relatively a little bit more effort all the time to make social connection. And I guess it's also because people are generally people who are non-healthcare. Um, they are also they are more interested in what is happening in the healthcare world because you know it is about their body, it's about their own health. So it's something that everyone, every single person can can resonate with. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess in terms of risk factors, um, is there anything else you'd like to add before um, we move on? No, I think I think we've pretty much covered it. I, you know, just to reiterate, I think that any any factor in your life that makes you perceive perceive yourself as different to others, I think, can be an impediment. And I and I and I want to reemphasize the idea of adverse childhood experiences mm-hmm. really knocking your resilience and your self confidence to actually to make that to reach out to people for the fear of rejection. I think that's an unrecog- that's an under recognized. Uh, group of people because they because you know you can't tell if someone's had an adverse childhood event, but you can tell if someone is a, is of a different ethnicity or or is disabled or is, is speaks a different language or you know things like that. That is very true, and I think the other important point to make is really that we all will feel lonely from time to time. It's mm, just how we yeah. go about getting help um, will be one of the important factors to not be stuck in that loneliness sort of world um i mean there are lots of um i guess a lot of research being done in terms of why loneliness is such an important thing how it affects us mentally um medically you know in terms of um you know obesity and diabetes and inflammatory conditions and things like that and i think we we will get into that in the next episode um i think that is all we have time for today fergal thanks for joining me in today's episode All right, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.